Welcome to the Sheila Palm Extracted Podcast. My guest today is Nigia Kunz. Nigia is an assistant professor and Canada Research Chair in the Mine Water Management and Stewardship at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. She is jointly appointed across the School of Public Policy and Global Affairs and the Norman B. Cavill Institute of Mining Engineering. She focuses on improving decisions making regarding the use and management of water in mining operations. Nadia, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. I appreciate your taking the time to speak with me. Thank you so much, Sheila. It's my pleasure to be here and I appreciate the invitation today. That's lovely. Uh, let me ask you, on matters of mining, the environment and climate change, how is water important as a consideration for environmental protection? Well, one thing I love to tell my students when I teach my class on, on water and mining is that it doesn't matter where in the world you go, which mine you visit, water is always an issue. And that differs between mines that are in water scarce areas, mines that are in areas that receive a lot of water, and also mines that are in sensitive ecosystems or, or um, close to urban areas where, where water may um, compete with other users of water or where there can be water contamination challenges around, around the landscape. So um, I really believe that water is such a crucial issue in, in the mining sector. And, and we're certainly seeing that from, from the perspective of companies, investors, and, and most importantly, local communities. Um, so uh, I think the other thing about water and mining is that on the one hand, mines need water. They, they require water to extract the minerals that we want from, from ore. So when we go through mineral processing, water is something we need to, to, in order to, to allow mineral processing to take place. Um, but on the other hand, water can also be a nuisance. So if we have too much water, um, that can also be a problem, both for mining and, and also for the infrastructure associated around the mining sector. So uh, in my career, I always find myself coming back to this, this topic of water and mining because it, it keeps me so busy. There's so many things to solve. And, and that's why I think it's a very exciting area. Right. So that's interesting because what you're saying is uh, mining operations need water. Uh, but they need enough water, not too much water, because otherwise it becomes a bit of a problem. But you're also, right. but you're also saying that uh, uh, at some level, because of the mineral substances and the sometimes chemicals used in mineral processing, there's also a risk that water in the vicinity of mines uh, can be contaminated and therefore that would be part of the environmental uh, challenge. What about uh, climate change related uh, challenges? What do we know about uh, the usage of water in mining and its potential impact or relationship at all to global warming and uh, you know, climate change? Is there anything we know about that? Well, I, I mean, I guess, um, you know, Probably the, the, the thing that's perhaps very topical when we think about climate change and water in the context of mining is, is around the way, you know, when I suppose there's two ways to answer your question, Sheila. One of them is we already know climate change is happening and that's going to have an impact on, on mining and the way that water is used. So to speak more specifically about that, 
you know, mines are very closely connected to their landscape. Um, you know, we, when we extract ore from the landscape, when we extract minerals from the landscape, um, the water system is 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 part of that uh, that system. And so, um, when when there's, um, as I said, too much water or not enough water, are, are challenges for the industry. And with climate change and the the changes that happen in the weather, um, we're going to, in a lot of places, see, see changes in, in precipitation patterns. Um, and that might mean that the areas which were once a, a drought area might become a flood area or, or will have much more variability in, in certain regions. So depending on the, where the mine is located, um, maybe there won't be uh, any changes around climate change and the water system, but for a lot of projects, uh, you know, the, the projections are that that very often we will we will have changes in in precipitation that that will require um, some adapt you know an adaptation um, to to deal with those those changes in in extreme weather events. So that's a real risk and a real challenge for the industry. Um, you know, another another thing is around. You know, when, when we think about um, responding to climate change and actually mitigating the impacts of climate change, um, you know, the, the, the mining industry is a large emitter of carbon emissions. Um, and sometimes some of the technologies that we might use to save water might actually result in an, in an increase in the amount of energy that's that's used. And, and I think we will we'll talk a little bit more about those technologies later in the podcast, Sheila, but but that's also a challenge is around that that water energy nexus. And, and you know, if we save water, do we have an energy cost? And what's the, the context of that? Um, what, how do we how do we make decisions around those kinds of trade-offs? Um, and the other thing, the final thing to maybe mention as well, is that um, you know when we think about responding to climate change, um, we, you know there's lots of work that's also shown that we're going to um, need to have a, an increase in mining around certain commodities because because a lot of the technologies for um, for, for um, low carbon technologies actually require minerals. So that increase in demand for minerals um, is also coming at a time when we're having. Uh, lower ore grades and, and to process those ore grades, we need more water typically unless unless we change our, our processes. So there's many, many layers to, to that question, but there's some of the things that are really important um, to consider at the moment when it comes to climate change and water. Yeah, it's interesting because of course, you, you've mentioned two things which on face value look like the right thing to do, but they could have unintended consequences. The one is, if we wanna save energy to reduce carbon emissions, it may be that we have to use more water and that then has uh, uh, you know, other impacts on the environment. But you're also saying the drive uh, towards transition to clean energy and the rise in demand on mineral substances also may mean we use more water because as we uh, find lower uh, mineral ore grades, uh, the result of that to metallurgically extract them is much more, uh, if you wish, water intensive. And, and so it's really a balancing act. For the average person, it seems like find the right minerals, extract them, uh, create battery storage, and you're off and going. What you're saying is no, on the contrary. There are many things, and you're only looking at it from the water lens, isn't it, uh, Anaja? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think, I guess in my work, um, you know, I, I really like to 
I'm a very interdisciplinary scholar and um, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that, you know, if, if we pursue one objective exclusively, I think that's a, that's a dangerous um, scenario. So if we only think about water when we make decisions, um, I think we might make decisions that may not be the right ones for every context. Um, and, and I think that's why, you know, the, the, the local context is very, very important when we talk about water. You know, what, is, what, are, what are the needs at a local level? What, is the what are the community needs at, at a local level? What's the environment there? Um, what, what are those priorities that, that need to be, um, you know, considered when, when we think about uh, issues of water? And, and as I mentioned, you know, it's, I, I certainly found myself having had most of my early career in Australia, and then I lived in Switzerland, and then I moved to Canada, you know, the, the, the difference in the kinds of challenges around water are so diverse. Um, and there's, there's not, you know, obviously, Australia and Canada are the two big, big areas where there's mining, um, you know, but, but the, the, the difference in the kinds of issues that mines face, uh, I, I found it really fascinating to, to be Im immersed in those contexts. Um, and I've, I've done a lot of work in, in other regions as well, in Mongolia, um, in particular, as well as some work in Ethiopia and, and South Africa and Peru. Um, and, and again, as I said at the beginning, it's, uh, it's just so interesting because the issues differ so much. And, um, and I think understanding that local context is crucial. Yeah. It, it, so, so when you, you say local, you mean local as in in the vicinity of the mine, or do you mean local as in what we understand about the uh, geographic factors such as weather uh, and others? So what do you mean by, by the local conditions? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. And I think that, the, you know, there's, there's probably... Um, different layers to that uh, when we when we talk about local I mean I, I guess my my comment is that um, you know the I guess even at a national level at the policy level there's differences between countries that need to be considered as well but but it's uh you know it would be a mistake to assume that solutions that we think would work for um, for one mine located in um, you know in, in South Africa would necessarily work uh, for a mine located in Mongolia, you know, it, it, it's just that we we really need to consider um, the the surrounding community, um, the rights holders in that area, uh, as well as the local environment, um, and and you know the the geology around the ore um, that's being extracted also has a lot of implications for. Um, you know, the, the types of choices we might have around processing technologies and also the kind of waste material that we're going to produce as a result of mining, um, which, which also needs to be managed. But when we set targets uh, for companies to aim for around water, they really need to be fit for purpose in terms of um, what's relevant at that site. So uh, if we think about, um, you know, setting targets for a multinational company that might operate in many different locations globally, the targets that might suit one region may not necessarily suit everywhere else. Uh, and I think that in, in that kind of situation, um, there's a real need for corporates to also engage locally with community members, with local regulators um, in understanding uh, what, what their role can be in that local context and, and what is the, you know, the, the, the right strategy for them to have when it comes to water. Um, so that's, uh, that, that, that's just some of the... Um, the discussion that's happening on that topic at the moment. Yeah, that, that yeah, I'm glad you unbundled um, the notion of local because 
it, it, it's it's a much used word, but of, of course it mm -hmm. means all things because you've spoken to the economic aspect of the uh, local. You, you've also spoken quite rightly to the very uh, you know profile of the geological uh, you know resource that has been mined, and then of course the cultural and the regulatory. It's it's so vast, and it's not surprising to your point that uh, you know it has to be fit for purpose, and that there is no one size uh, uh, fits all. So I, I I need to ask you. Of course, we've spoken about water. Water itself, in terms of uh, as a body of natural resource, uh, it, you know, is found and accessed in different ways. You, you have mm -hmm. surface water, you have underground aquifers, you have lakes, you have rivers that flow, some flowing above ground, some flowing underground, et cetera, et cetera. And so I wanted to get a sense from you of in terms of the impact of mining, uh, do we see that there's a difference between whether or not a mine is accessing surface water versus uh, pumping water from underground? What are the considerations, mm -hmm. if any? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And, and just to, to add to the, to the different sources of water that you mentioned, um, another source of water, uh, which is starting to become very um, popular in, in Chile in particular, but also other parts of Latin America, is around seawater. So desalinating seawater and using that for mining. And I guess this, this decision around where to get water from is very, very crucial in areas that are water scarce. Uh, so, you know, the, but there's estimates that out of the large mining operations, around two thirds of them are located in water stressed areas. Um, so, you know, th this question of where should a mine extract its water from? Because it, it needs to use water. Um, as I mentioned, we need water for, for most uh, forms of, of mineral processing. Uh, we use it for dust suppression to, um, to avoid dust issues on mines. So, so there's many uses of water on mines and we need it in water scarce areas. Uh, so the choices of, you know, should we take that water from local aquifers, from surface water bodies, from desalinated water? Um, in some cases, it's also possible to, um, for mines that might be located close enough to an urban area, they may also use recycled sewerage as a water source. And there, there are some mines that are doing that uh, globally. Um, so, so this question, um, you know, really does again depend on, on the local context and what's what's feasible. How close is that water source to the mine? Is it economic to access water from, from one water source or another one? Um, you know, how, does it need to be pumped from a far distance? So this is where we get to that question around energy use. Um, so if we think about um, Chile, for example, where they're, they're actually in, in some areas in the Atacama Desert, um, desalinating water from, from the sea and pumping it hundreds of kilometers uphill to access water for, for the mine. That's a huge energy cost around, around water access. Um, so, you know, to, to answer your question around, the, you know, the impact of, of mining on different sources, I think this question of where where mines access water from obviously has has a flow on effect for the impact um, uh, and and um, you know around the the um, depending on where deposits are as well there may also be situations where mines um, might be interacting with surface water uh, or or underground water bodies um, you know it, mines are very constrained by uh, by where the resource is you know it's not like 
Um, unlike the agriculture industry, where you might have a choice about where you set up set up the agriculture with mining, you know, the, where the where the deposit is is where the mine has to be. And if that if that happens to lie, um, you know, where there's a sensitive water body, um, then the question is how how can that impact be managed? Um, and certainly, uh, you know. It, it does again depend on on the geology, on the location, and on what's practical in terms of, um, of you know access to water as a source, but also the way that the mine itself can interact with water bodies. Yeah, but by sensitive uh, water body, as as supposed, uh, in, you might uh, refer, for instance, to very delicate ecosystems uh, mm -hmm. that are, are also home to a variety of of uh, habitat. Uh, or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and I'm intrigued by your reference to desalination, of course, because if you just uh, take a, a simplistic view of uh, the great oceans and uh, you look at a country like Chile, which is a great big mining country, mm -hmm. you would think they have all the water in the world. All they have to do is desalinate it. But what you're saying is before you go there, uh, you need to think about the implications from an energy consumption because sure, you might have reduced uh, the mines uh, on land water footprint, but what you've done uh, is that you've also increased their energy use and environmental management. But I, I want to ask you something else. So now we know all this, let's just assume the only thing we had to worry about for now uh, was uh, reduction of water. What do we know about emerging technologies or for that matter, metallurgical processes uh, that are aimed at specifically either reducing water consumption or substituting water for that matter completely? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think this topic is definitely, um, you know, a really important one. And is it's certainly getting um, a lot of attention to, to think about what what would a water what would a waterless mine look like? What is a waterless mine? Is it possible? Um, you know, and I, and I suppose there's um, there's certainly many technologies that can significantly reduce the amount of water that's used in the industry. Um, you know, the biggest opportunity really for saving water and reducing water use on mines is, is reducing how much water goes to the tailings dam. So the tailings dam is where uh, after, after, after mineral processing, um, you know, after flotation in particular, which is, which is um, you know, a, a very common technique for, for uh, removing the valuable mineral from, from waste material. Um, after that process takes place, the waste material, which has water in it, because we've added water to the process, that water um, ends up in a tailings dam. And you're probably, you know, you're, I'm sure the audience is, is, is very familiar with a lot of the devastating um, impacts that can happen with tailings dams. There's, there's uh, you know, consequences that if, if tailings dam fails, uh, it, it can be really um, catastrophic and, 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 um, and lead to a lot of downstream effects on, on people and, and on the environment. So, um, you know, there is water embodied in tailings dams. And uh, typically when we when we pump water to the tailings dam, you know, we want that water to evaporate. It's, it's a big loss of water from the site. So whatever we can do to reduce the amount of water going to tailings is really important. So that could be things like advanced filtering of your waste material before it reaches the dam and then recycling that water. Um, it might also be about evaporative covers on top of tailings dams and also storage dams to reduce how much water is evaporating uh, from, from those 
there's open water bodies because because tailings typically has a lot of water on the top. Um, the other opportunity for saving water is really around rethinking the way that we process in the first place. So anything we can do. Um, uh, so I, I guess the tailings technologies are what you might think about as back end technologies, things at the end of the process we can do to remove water. The other thing we can do is at the front of a process, um, you know, try and minimize how much water actually goes in uh, to the processing circuit. So, so that would be things like, um, like you know, pre-sorting of ore and, and reducing how much ore um, actually needs to, to, you know, to get to get processed in the first place. So uh, in thinking about technologies, it is helpful to kind of distinguish those two things. If we put, if, if we're able to um, reduce how much we need to process in the first place and be more selective um, about what we're putting through our processing circuit, that reduces the water use per tonne of product. And likewise, at the back end, if we if we minimize water losses, that's really important. Um, whether or not waterless mining is possible, um, this is where we get, again, to the energy trade-off. So those technologies I talked about, like advanced filtering on tailings, and also if we think about dry stack technologies, which is, which is really getting as much water as possible out before it goes to the tailings dam, that also costs energy. Um, so there's an energy cost associated with that. You can imagine trying to squeeze water out of rock, you know, it loses a lot of power. Um, and, and so uh, this is where you know, again, this, this, I, I'm sorry to use the word local, Sheila, but it is, it's the local context. It's, you know, how, how, um, how important is it to save water at that particular site? And in places like Chile, where you're already using a huge amount of water to bring um, desalinated water to site, you may actually still have an energy saving um, if, if you install these technologies. And, and I would say, from a lot of the modeling my team's doing in Chile, um, that's certainly what we're finding that for a lot of sites, uh, you know, saving water can also save energy, but that may not necessarily be true at every mine. So um, it's it's a lot of fun to work on these problems. There's lots of trade-offs and, and lots of um, challenging questions. Uh, absolutely. But of course, uh, the good thing, uh, I, I suppose for scientists like yourselves, uh, is that when you have uh, projects like the large Codelco copper mines in Chile, uh, mm -hmm. not only do you have, uh, if you wish, a real life laboratory from which you can uh, observe and, and, and uh, analyze impacts, but you also have a company with the financial muscle to be able to conduct research and innovate. And, and, and the Chilean copper mines are famous for this for coming up with uh, technologies that solve problems uh, beyond water because they have the scale. The challenge, I guess, uh, uh, Nadia, is that not every company is Codelco. I want to ask you something else. You've spoken uh, about water scarcity and uh, the potential conflict between the water demands by mining companies and local communities, and for that matter, other industries. What do we know about uh, any guiding principles for adjudicating uh, water allocation in these circumstances? Uh, which, which way should we go? Should we go with the economics of the mine and its contribution to the nation state and the world? Or should we go with the human rights and the need for people to egg a living yeah, I mean, I think um, you know it's such a it's such an important topic, and I I'm sure that many 
depending who you ask, you would get a very different question as well, Sheila. Um, you know, because I think I think there uh, there certainly are many different perspectives on this question of of how to allocate water and how to share water resources. And, you know, you mentioned kind of the economic approach, which is about, you know, maybe putting a market price on water and, and allowing the market to take care of, of where water delivers the most economic value. Um, you know, that that's kind of one approach that can be taken. And typically, you know, if, if one was to take that approach in areas that um, have a lot of mining, uh, mines, relative to the other costs of production um water is a, is a cheap resource for the industry you know relative and relative to how much um profit mines make for the amount of water they use they're very economic uh you know that they, they they use a small amount of water for the amount of economic value they produce in their products um, does that necessarily mean that we should therefore only allocate water to mining at the expense of other uses Personally, I would say absolutely not. I think that the, the, the human rights um, lens is absolute, absolutely crucial. And I think if, if we adopt an approach that's too heavy on the market-driven approach, it might be at the expense of, of, um, of other values that maybe aren't so easy to quantify in economic terms, um, but that doesn't mean that they're not important. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I mentioned kind of the human right to access water. That might be from the perspective of drinking water, of sanitation, but also from the perspective of cultural values and certainly in in both Canada and also Australia um, you know I uh, where I'm, 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 I guess I'm, I'm more familiar with uh, with the um, the importance of water to uh, many indigenous groups um, and and that's true in many parts of the world as well there can be a very strong cultural and spiritual value attached to water so um, you know minds that uh, that might conflict with with those competing um, needs and uses of water, uh, you know, can really find themselves in a, in a very, um, you know, uh, undesirable situation where, where they could, could uh, potentially come at odds with, with these in very important cultural values. I don't think we can put a price on those values and I don't think we should try to. So I think um, finding other ways to value the environment, to value these, these cultural and human needs is, is really important. Um, and I mean, I've spoken about the human side, but of course the environmental side and the environmental values are also crucial around water because water provides ecosystem services that, that, are, that are, you know, important for our functioning, um, our functioning societies and also for functioning ecosystems. So uh, that's just to reflect that in terms of guiding principles, I think, um, I guess I'm, not giving you an answer, but I'm speaking about the challenge that we have when it comes to finding a system that uh, can be effective at, at kind of really um, making decisions around some of those uh, those trade-offs that have to happen in, in the area of water. I mean, now that we know that we need to strike this balance, does dealing with these uh, conflicting water uh, needs become therefore a regulatory one or does it fall back on the sense of business ethic of the project sponsor? Uh, because presumably the regulator grants you uh, concessions and with that comes an implication of the right of access to the land and to the water because all that follows. Uh, but then you come onto the uh, territory and then you are confronted with these local realities. 
how 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 does that that adjudication happen? Must it be left to the regulator, or must it be left to the notion of the social license to operate? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think a little bit of both. You know, mines mines need to have the regulatory permit to uh, to use water, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because one has a license to access water that you're necessarily um, going to be able to operate a project without conflict over water. And I think there's there's many examples of, of where, where that's happened in different parts of the world um, and where, you know, the importance of really, I think there is an onus on the mine operator to understand the, the local importance of water to local people and the local environment. Um, and when mines are exploring options where to source their water from, um, you know, that they may they may have different choices to make around whether to access surface water, groundwater, um, you know, desalinated water, or or um, or even to use sea uh, even to use recycled water. Um, and I think it is important for the operator to really give that a lot of thought around, uh, particularly in areas that might be water scarce. What are the competing users of water in that area? Um, and you know, is it likely that the project could could compete with that use, um, or is it really important that we find uh, an alternative use of water altogether? Um, and that, you know, to give one example, um, you know, where, where a colleague of mine's done a lot of work is on the Cerro Verde mine in Peru, which actually worked, uh, you know, when they were going through an expansion of their project, um, they actually identified that using recycled um, sewage and, and having a partnership with the local government to actually treat uh, the town's wastewater and use that as a source of water for the mine. Um, you know, that was a really uh, innovative idea for them to, to think strategically about the importance of water in that very water scarce area. And, and it allowed that mine to have the expansion um, without significant social conflict. And in that area of Peru, there'd been a lot of social conflict around water in the past. So um, I think, you know, even if the mine had applied for a local permit, um, from another water source and got permission, um, you know, there, there could have still been issues. So I think I think this approach of having community engagement at the time when you're thinking about sourcing water can really help to avert potential challenges locally, not necessarily guaranteed, um, but certainly can really put companies in a much stronger position um, for, for being uh, able to balance these competing needs. And on, on the uh, regulatory side, I think we, we also need to ensure that policymakers are, um, are thinking locally as well when it comes to these competing uses. But, but a challenge is, is around those economic benefits that can flow from mining. Um, you know, that it can put, uh, I guess, regulators in a challenging position around around granting that, that license as well um, and making those trade-offs themselves. We know that uh, in this uh, artisanal and small-scale mine, which is also prevalent in many of the parts of the world where you've been, least of which uh, is uh, gold in, in Peru and parts of Latin America, mercury and contamination of water and, and uh, land, for that matter, is a real problem. What can we say about large-scale mining? What do we know about any, uh, you know, extensive or not levels of uh, mineral uh, contamination of water? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I would 
I would never want to say that you know one has more or less impact than the other. I think there are there are examples of of um, artisanal and small scale mining where there's been you know very significant long term contamination as a result. But likewise, the same with large scale mining. So even even in Canada, um, there's been a region in um in in British Columbia where where I'm I I work um and in the in the south of British Columbia there's been huge issues with selenium as a result of coal mining historically and that's actually led to significant water quality contamination uh for, for downstream uh surface water sources um and likewise we also see issues around acid rock drainage in in many parts of the world associated with large-scale mining uh so that that problem of water contamination it's certainly not limited to the artisanal mining sector. I think we see plenty of, of unfortunate examples of, of large-scale mining also having these long-term effects on water. And I would say that in a lot of cases, um, you know, when we think about the closure of large-scale mines, uh, the question of, of water issues is really one of the top-of-mind things that, that needs to be, be thought about. Um, and, and yeah, I could, I could give you many more examples of where there's, where there's been challenges around that. Um, so uh, I think at the end of the day, I guess the important thing um, is really to be proactive about about these these questions of water and um, and one of the biggest sources of water contamination is from the way that the waste is managed around mines um, and and those long-term legacy effects of mines uh, you know if, if we think um, proactively and we think ahead of time around how we can deposit our waste material in a way that, that will minimize um, the interaction with water bodies in the future, you know, that's one huge step forwards. Um, but unfortunately, we often don't, don't take in the mining sector, I think, there's not enough of a, of a long-term view um, in terms of thinking about the decisions we make today and how they might have implications downstream um, into the future. Um, I think we need to do much considering uh, those choices around processing technology, the way that we manage waste. Um, if we make better choices, uh, the sooner we make those choices um, and think about the implications and long-term environmental consequences, uh, the, the more opportunity we have to do things right. Uh, so, so that would be my answer to your final question there, Sheila, um, just around, I think, I think there are I think there are solutions for some of these issues that we're seeing. It's just a matter of having the resources and also the motivation, I think, to resolve them. That's fantastic. Well, Nigel, thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive Port. I suspect that you and I will be uh, speaking again in future on this matter. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sheila. My pleasure. And uh, I look forward to being in touch.